0: Hit. Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs, but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house, if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just be well researched We're here to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one cup
1: Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition. My name is Charlie Clawson and this series is my club. And this week, my guest is Will Ralston. He's the producer of the Marty Sheargold Show on Triple M and he's also a Brisbane Lions supporter. Now, I'm always fascinated to talk to uh, AFL supporters from Queensland because it's not a natural fit. Um, But Will became aware of the Lions when they were in their most dominant period in the early 2000s when the team was stacked with stars and then had to test his loyalty as they went into the wilderness. And now it feels like there is some silver lining uh, with Chris Fagan, Dennis Pagan. They're on the verge of something great, hopefully. And so Will shares his thoughts on the Lions past, present and future. So ladies and gentlemen, here's Will (music) Ralston. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining the show. I've got to admit, it's hard to find Queensland <laughs> AFL supporters, but you came highly recommended by Michael Chamberlain.
0: Oh, I'm very, very flattered. And thank you for having me, Charlie. Yeah, there aren't many, uh, spe- specifically Melbourne-based mm. um, Brisbane Lions supporters from Queensland. Uh, there's a few mates of mine that have moved down as well, but. Um, there's a few of us. We're out there.
1: So how did your journey to the AFL come about? Because obviously it is kind of unusual for someone from Queensland to, to get so heavily into the AFL.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm lucky that I grew up in an era where they dominated. That's pretty much it. And I had a, uh, my mum's family's from Melbourne. So I always had that sort of way to get into it. I was uh, introduced to it from a young age and as an impressionable impressionable, you know, six, seven, eight year old. Um, having the options of the Broncos and the Reds and the Lions, it was just the one I took to. And it was the one that had the biggest crowds and the one that I got to see the most wins. So um, it was a no-brainer for for young me and uh, I'm glad I picked it. And now it's pretty much led a lot of the decisions I've made in my life. I moved down to Melbourne
1: to try and uh, – Watch more footy. So <laughs> I'm I'm a happy man. So you say your mum's family uh, were into AFL or from Melbourne. So was there any Fitzroy connection there, or are they just completely different teams?
0: No, they're all Bombers actually, oh. which is a bit um a bit gross.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're you're a Saints man. I'm a Saints man. Yeah, yeah. So was, yeah. There, was there any kind of um you know inclination of maybe going for the Bombers in that case, or was it just always going to be the Lions? No, not really, because my dad um. This turned into a bit of this is your life sort of stuff. (laughs) He's
0: from uh, Northern New South Wales uh, from a farming family. And so he'd never seen a game in his life. And so we sort of got introduced to it together. And I think our story would mirror a lot of people in Brisbane, particularly from that era who hadn't really seen the sport much or knew much about footy, but just through the vehicle of the Brisbane Lions triple premiership era, it was just such an easy way to get into footy and, um, seeing one of the greatest teams of all time going about it, um,
1: yeah, it hooked me for life. So, um, yeah, I a lot to that. Team. They were one of the greatest teams of all time. Like I, I had a discussion at the uh, the grand Funnel episode of Two Guys One Cup where we talked about yeah. you know, Richmond's dynasty or dynasty, however you want. To, I don't. I'm not really sure how it's <laughs> pronounced. Uh, but the idea that you know uh, they could win four, you know, they could win their fourth flag um very soon and does that place them above brisbane and i'm just not sure because there's something about you know that hawthorne team that the three pete and then brisbane's three pete yeah. that just seems i don't i don't know why i think like if you have a break in the middle it doesn't count as much because four flags in five <laughs> no. years is pretty good but that brisbane team were like the invincibles there was so much talent on that list yeah it's crazy i I've often wondered that too, which
0: which is more important. And the 3P, it's just a, a nice little package. You can put a bow around it. Uh, and not to discount Geelong either, 3 and uh, three and 5 is just as impressive. Um, but I don't know. I, for, for me, I think the, uh, the factor of travel is what sets the Brisbane team apart. And it's the thing that um, the coaches hate the most they always chalk down like, Oh, you know, we are back-to-back road trips or something like that. And mm. back-to-back six day breaks, all that, all those sort of uh, things that weigh on a coach. Um, and so the fact that a team could for three years in a row, travel every second week. Um, I don't know if we'll see another interstate team do it, um, but yeah, I, I feel like when you match up today's Richmond with the 2003 Brisbane Lions, um there's so many more household names in that Lions team yeah, for, you know, for, the, for the era. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like uh, team structures and um, zones and coaching strategies and stuff play such a role these days where
1: just if you had 22 extremely talented blokes, that's what you needed well, back in the day to win a fight. You, you had at minimum three Brownlow medalists. You know, Simon Black, yeah, Jason Akemanis, yeah. Michael Voss. I mean, if you look at Richmond, they have, well, you know, they have a recount Simon so. medalist. And uh, and, <laughs> and then Dusty, who is like a once-in-a-generation. But it's yeah. funny because, you know, you're a bit younger than me, but for a lot of us who sort of grew up with uh, the Brisbane Lions and then obviously the, the merging of Fitzroy and, and Brisbane to become the Brisbane Lions, like Brisbane yeah. – were a punchline for the first 10 years as the Bears, you know, mm-hmm. Warwick Capper and, you know, uh, getting no one to the game. And and it it's sort of, I think, the the movement of Lee Matthews into Brisbane was such a, a masterstroke because it kind of imprinted, like Lethal brought his style of play into his coaching and created like a team yep. of Lethals that sort of hard-nosed, get the most out of your butt. It just turns out that you also had a bunch of, like highly skillful, tough players as well, but you yeah. would have expected that even if you had a bunch of role players, that Lethal would have got the best out of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and like I said before, I don't, I don't know if Lethal would be able to keep up in um, modern coaching, even if like you know age aside, yeah. um, but his ability to get the most out of the team was unmatched. But because um, he came, ah, uh, geez, I want to get it right. End of. 98, I think. So um, we'd won the one. We'd finished last that year, which was a bit of an anomaly, the 98 Brisbane Lions season. But uh, 97, 96, um, and 96 was the Bears last year. And that was um, the nucleus of the premiership team was already there at that stage. And I think I've heard from um, premiership players in the past that have said, it's almost a shame that the Bears folded when they did. Um, and obviously, you know, it's tragic what happened to Fitzroy. Uh, mm. not that I have any connection to Fitzroy, which is a bit of a shame. It's, um, something I'd like to try and invest a bit more time in learning about Fitzroy's history, but the bears were just on the cusp of becoming quite a good side in their last season. They played in a prelim. Um, and you know, Michael Voss was there and Lappin and Acker and the, the, like I said, the genesis of a triple premiership team. So, Lethal really came at the right, the right point for both the team and then for Lethal as well.
1: I wonder if that changes, you know, that sliding doors moment if, you know, Fitzroy had, uh, you know, not merged with Brisbane, if Brisbane had stayed the Brisbane Bears. Like there was something about yeah. that logo though that was so bicentennial 88, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was, the, it was not a fearsome, intimidating logo. No. Like it, was, it, it looked like a, a paddle pop logo <laughs> or something. Like yeah. It was such a cuddly mascot. And not yeah, even a bear. To, That's the other thing. You're a marsupial. Yeah, it's hard to picture the face of that koala painted
0: on, like, one of the 50 arcs on grand final <laughs> day. Like, Blinky bill. Like, one a, a WEG poster with a, a koala on it, it. It wouldn't have really looked right. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. But it's interesting, too, because, like, that you also remember that Nathan Buckley played, was it his first season or first yeah. two seasons? So, you know, if True. that... Uh, I mean, he twenty games, right? Yeah, so he left. He left to chase the premiership at Collingwood. <laughs> like mm. the irony, the irony of yeah. that decision, considering what happened in those two grand finals. Yeah, another sliding doors moment because it's like, geez, what?
0: Where do we even fit Nathan Buckley into that team? There's like, and it's you start to question, like, oh, you know, you might lose two quality players to keep Buckley, and then we already had a Buckley. We already had Voss there, so yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a huge loss. I sort of compare it with like um, Josh Kennedy being traded out of Hawthorne in around 2010, and like, oh, geez, what a terrible trade that was. But when you look back on it, they they already had a triple premiership midfield. They they you know you trade for needs, and I think Bucks. I wonder if Bucks regrets it. Probably not.
1: He's made a pretty good career out of it. Well, I think, is that what Mark Robinson asked him last year? Do you regret, like, you know, you haven't won a flag as a player or a coach? Does that leave the mm, life feeling right. empty? And he's like, no, no. And I think, to be honest, over the last few days, Bucks has probably got a bit more to think about <laughs> than <laughs> what's happened, you know. Uh, when, when, we were, when we we're recording this, the uh, the, the Collingwood uh, report, the internal report into systemic racism has been released. So I imagine that Bucks yes. has got a lot more on his plate than than what happened in his playing career. <laughs> He's also appeared in a few Daily Mail articles recently, which is a bit unrelated. But um, well, th- these, this last minute probably won't age that well. <laughs> no. Uh, but we'll get back to the, the, the Lions themselves. So when they, they form and um, they become that, that hard-nosed, skillful team, and, and it's really the birth of the gabatoire, isn't it? Like yep. the idea that you go to Brisbane and you've got a real fight in your hands, like you've got a one-sided crowd and it's packed every night because mm. that's what it was like in the early 2000s wasn't it like for the the it was impossible to get a ticket to see a lions game Yeah,
0: yeah that's right did you ever find yourself up in brisbane to see a game no it was the it was the hottest ticket in town and it's not a huge stadium the gabber it only i think the record capacity is about thirty six thousand. we came close to beating it for the um richmond qualifying final must have been 2019 um but, it, yeah, it never gets more than that unless it's, you know, an Adele concert. And, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was really tough to get a hold of. And the crowd at the Gabba really amuses me because it's um, it's as one-sided as a, an Eagles or a Crows crowd, but there's just a little less knowledge about the game. <laughs> you, you can tell that not all of them live and breathe it or have grown up with the sport. Um so some of the – you get you get some holding the ball cheers from the crowd and you're looking around like, are you guys taking the piss? <laughs> that's like, in what world is that holding the ball? Um, but it's good fun. I miss going up to the gather. When that place is
1: full and rocking, it, it holds noise better than any other stadium I've been to for a big game. And so that's, it's an interesting um, point you bring up, the idea that like you had enthusiastic if not educated crowds because when I moved to yeah. Sydney in – uh, 2000, 2001, and that was when the Swans, you know, sort of just had, when Paul Roos was starting and they were starting to form their nucleus of their grand final side. And I used to find yep. the same thing going to watch Swan games, is they're incredibly parochial,
0: but yeah, they didn't yeah. know
1: what they were being parochial about. <laughs> <laughs> that and the fact that you could get sushi yeah. at the ground, I was like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> this does not feel like oh, the football. I would not
0: back stadium sushi. <laughs> but, yeah, it's the exact same thing. They – um the the passion's there, which I love. But the other thing I noticed when I moved down to Melbourne was um, one of the first things I noticed when I started to going to regular footy games at the G is the standard of Oz kick at half time. It just it's like <laughs>
1: Miles unbelievable.
0: Ahead. It's like going from div4 country to AFL, the standard the some of the kids running around at halftime at the Gabba—it's uh, not pretty.
1: <laughs> I think that's amazing that you've actually paid enough attention to the Oz kick to know that there's oh, yeah. a difference. I really would not know. Be, yeah,
0: I used to be their age,
1: so right. Um, yeah, but, um, so, I, I, I do miss the Gabba. So when you were a young kid, and you know you've got that kind of super team coming up in the early two thousands, was there a single player that you were drawn to? Was it all about Vossi or Brownie or Acker? Um, I was an Acker man. Um,
0: yeah, I, I went to birthday parties dressed as Acker. Had the um, yeah, had the jersey had it signed. I played for his junior club as well, so he came. Um, he came every year to uh, a junior training session, and you know he's doing handstands and kicking goals out of his ass. It's hard to picture a more talented player ever playing the sport when you, when you really just break it down, look at, look at his highlight reel, look at his stats, They're either foot from 60. Not many players can kick accurately 30 on their own foot. Yet mm. would just, just do it for fun from, uh, on the run from outside 60. So, um, but yeah, there was too many to choose from that was half the problem back then. And then as you, as you get older, you start to appreciate like a Simon Blackmore
1: yeah. or a Nigel Lappin who, um, who were vital to the team. It's not all that show. I mean, it is amazing how deep you guys batted. Like, I could, I'd completely forgotten yeah. about Nigel Laffin, who would be, like, oh. the starting midfielder in yeah. any other side, but he's probably, like, your fourth or fifth best midfielder in that team. Seriously,
0: if he played for the Bulldogs, he'd be a generational player for the Western Bulldogs, you know. And and, and Luke Power's another one who never got deployed. So he's, he, I think his career kind of peaked after the premierships um as did Jonathan Browns so um oh you you can name 22 unbelievable
1: players from that era well let's like so, very blessed let's concentrate on Acker though your your boyhood idol yep <laughs> yep he so, was I mean I know what that's like you know uh, uh, as a kid you sort of you know you I was drawn. it was Trevor Barker and then it was Nicky Winmar and then it was Rob Harvey and Every time one of those players is moved on or leaves or retires or whatever, I always feel like, oh, this is the end. I will never feel the same about football unless I see yeah. like Lenny Hayes running around. So the way that Acker left the Lions, it was so acrimonious and he and Lethal mm. had gotten to such a point where they couldn't even talk to each other. How did you feel? Were you yeah. like the were you like a child of divorcing parents or something? Did you feel like you were caught <laughs> between the two factions? Yeah. Because the wheels felt like
0: they were falling off. I think it was the middle of 06, Acker left. And you could tell it wasn't quite the same team. Like, Jared Brennan was starting to feature regularly and... Um, I don't know why I picked him of all people
1: because <laughs> you know, because he's the he's, he's your classic Mercurial half forward. Like, oh, there's such a specific breed of player. Yeah, the kind of guy who will maybe five go- five games a year they'll they'll kick two or three goals and do something sensational, but for the rest of the time you're like, yeah. Jesus Christ, where's your consistency? Oh, talking about whipping boys, every
0: club's got a player like that. Yeah, um, I remember he kicked seven at the G once against Collingwood. Um, that would have been 07 or so. I just went oh, okay, no. now. turn turned a corner, yeah. Jared Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect to dedicate a minute of this podcast to Jared Brennan, but here we are. Um, but, yeah, by 06, and um, the form is no longer backing up Acker's antics. And it's such a shame. He, he, he was in the media a lot, but it ended up being detrimental to the side, mm. as is well documented. And... I feel like he would have been a great media performer today. I still do, but he's just too, um, he's too raw. He's too uh, off tap. No one can control. He can't control what he's going to say half the time. So um, I think it was was necessary and
1: he he, he played some good footy for the dogs in the end. Yeah. I mean, you kind of feel like with that conflict, a lot of it would come down to kind of philosophy. Like if you look at Lethal, the kind of play he was, Not necessarily blessed with all the natural ability and stuff, but just hard as nails and, you know, uh, applied himself and and super focused and durable. And then you got this guy like Acker who is just like a freak talent, skillful, aggressive, Mm. fast, all those kind of things. So you could imagine at some point those two philosophies would clash because Lethal had to get everything he earned a certain way and Acker got everything he earned a certain way. And then after those three premierships, like you probably lose a bit of hunger, you're getting distracted, the handstands are taking precedence over like, you know, actually what you're doing (laughs) in a game. So you could imagine that there would have been like some kind of, uh, uh, even if it was like a, like a a paternal father figure kind of clashes, just pull your bloody head in Acker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There would have been a point where just the, the, the antics outweighed the form. Um and th- it's amazing with footy clubs. A like look at Richmond this year. You can have all the off-field incidents mm. in the world, but if you're winning, it just it can cover everything. It's just the antidote to any scandal if you as long as you're winning. Um and so yeah, once the wind's dried up, I think a lot of the band-aids got ripped off and yeah. It's uh, in hindsight we we really put all our eggs in that early 2000s basket and once the you know all the all those players retired it, it fell off a cliff mm. uh, pretty sharply and pretty pretty quickly
1: well i think one of the most enduring images uh for me and probably a lot of saint supporters is that game in 2004 2005 oh. where revolt broke his collarbone and as he's like jogging back to position he's getting jostled by the scott brothers and it's something yeah. that you know, not only uh, uh, is stuck in my memory because of the images, but also because, and I've told this story a million times. But the Scott brothers uh, went to a, a school down the road from mine. They're a year above me. And they God. were known, they had a reputation for being terrifying. Like you didn't want to mess <laughs> with the Scott brothers. Like you'd come to school on a Monday and find out that the Scott brothers had rocked up to some party and beat the hell out of like 10 guys or something. And so
0: wow, there was so this awesome.
1: guy, I, I, I mean, I never like met them uh, as a teenager, but I always had heard the reputation of the Scott brothers and then seeing them do that to Nick Revolt, I'm like, Oh my God, it's true. <laughs> they're like, they're like organized crime figures or something They're they're monsters. Like the Cray twins. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't even, I think Brad started Hawthorne. So it was it was like it was meant to be. They, they had to reunite. Some of the footage of the Scott brothers, um, uh, like if, if one was in a fight, the other one would appear within 10 seconds. Yeah. It's like candy. I kind of loved.
1: <laughs> you look in a mirror and say, Brad Scott three times, he appears fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mel Michael yeah. was also in that footage. He sort of escaped scrutiny. Yeah. People tend to bring it back to the Scots, but like to me, that was so um, what's the word? Symbolic of what the lines of that era were like. You know, like if you were going to play yeah. at the Gabbaroir, I just remember there was um, at the end of that year we played you in an elimination final, and St Kilda was starting to get their shit together, and we'd won a bunch of games, and Revolt was flying, and Cosie, and we'd just gotten Brendan Goddard, and we're just putting together our list. And we entered that elimination final with so much hope, and we got absolutely yeah. monstered. I think we lost by ten goals in the end. It was like it was a hammering, and that was when you guys were at the peak of your powers. Prior to the the, yeah. the two thousand and four grand final, uh, two thousand four grand final. That's where you lost to Port Adelaide, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't the prelim. Oh, geez, I'm losing track. I, I think you're right. I think it might have been that week one final. Yeah, <laughs> there'd be line supporters very frustrated. <laughs> but I remember being at that final. Oh, and, really? Um, a Mexican wave broke out around the Gabba, <laughs> which was rare, particularly in footy, because I reckon we won that. Like you said, by about, about ten goals. Um, and just that euphoria in, in a final when you know you're home and, and your team's just you know getting the job done. Yeah, we dissed out some really ugly defeats in those in that those final series. Um, around that era.
1: Did you, um, I, I'm assuming you, you were too young, but you didn't uh, attend the 2004 grand final against Port Adelaide. I didn't go to any of them, unfortunately, right.
0: which um, well, you, you're a it was wasted on my, uh, it was wasted on my youth, those premierships. <laughs> if I was, you know, if I was 16, 17, 18, 19, instead of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, it would have been a lot better. But um, yeah, I, I didn't manage to get to any. And then um, through COVID, uh, last year 2020 i was really considering like as in i'd researched and had applied to go up to darwin to um do my two weeks and then get to the gabba just with the off chance that we might play a home grand final and then it, it ended up falling through um which was one of the more bittersweet experiences of my life that prelim against geelong um where obviously i, I with all my being i wanted brisbane to make the grand final but when they didn't it softened the blow knowing like I would have missed out mm. had, we, uh, had we won a flag and very selfish way of looking at it. But that's what people are like with their footy team. They, you know, you want to be part of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was at the 2004 grand final just as a, a neutral supporter and I think I was in the forward pocket when Alistair Lynch – and Shane Wakeland, oh. or Daryl Wakeland, one of the Wakelands. Like the Scott brothers, I forget which one, yeah. <laughs> when they went at it. I think it, it's like, Daryl.
0: I think Port Adelaide was Daryl.
1: Yeah, I remember my mate um, said to me, he saw Alistair Lynch ping his hammy or something, like he saw him grab yep. his back of his leg and then go straight up to Wakeland. And he was and he, my mate elbowed me and said, I think like something's about to happen here. <laughs> and then that's when those oh, two – a- just enormous blokes start swinging at each other. And it was such a throwback, like, especially, you know, these days, you don't see that in football anymore. But I've got to say, it was terrifying. <laughs> like, I know Alistair Lynch is this yeah. very polished media performer now, but to see him just trying yeah. to knock someone's head off, and I, I probably would have been only about 50 metres away from it happening, was just <laughs> frightening. I, I almost wanted to jump the fence as they stop, stop, guys, please. <laughs> like, you don't need to do this. Yeah. It was very jarring. Yeah. It,
0: it, like you said, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't never see anything like it now, but even back then it was a, it was a, you know, we say tougher, but by tougher, we mean there were more cheap shots yeah. back then. But even then compared to 20 years before,
1: it would, have, it would have stood out if that happened in the 80s. Well, there, so,
0: there's a um, bit of footage yeah, in this. I think
1: he regrets that a lot. Yeah. I was still they did a great, um, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was for. It was like an anniversary, maybe it was a 2014 anniversary of the 2004 Grand Final where they interviewed all the key players. And then there's even a yep. the bit with Acker where I can't remember who he was lining up on, but it was another small guy. And when that fight broke out, they're like, we just quietly <laughs> backed away. Like we, <laughs> yeah. normally you'd run in to remonstrate, but just to see these two yeah. massive dudes throwing haymakers, they're like, let's just, uh, let's just jog out to the, to the boundary line. We'll just stay well away from this.
0: Yeah. There's also, oh yeah, no, it was a heavyweight, it the, was a heavyweight fight. There's an, an
1: amazing bit it. of footage from that uh, same grand final. And I don't know uh, what it's from or or where to find it, but I've seen it a few times, which is uh, another scuffle breaks out. And I think it's Josh Carr and Jonathan Brown and they're grappling. And you just see like Jonathan Brown throwing haymakers and then just copping the biggest punch to the jaw. And it doesn't even rattle him. You might as well be punching a slab of concrete.
0: (laughs) He got weeks. I think he got, um, I think he got five weeks that game, Brownie. And then, Simon Black, the world's nicest man, I don't think he got reported for, uh, for another incident in his entire career, but he got,
1: I think he got three. So <laughs> we, we really did go out swinging. And that was, you know, the end of the era. Let's talk about uh, John O'Brown for a second because. I yep. try to avoid this every episode, but I always end up, uh, you know, breaking my own rule, which is not to talk about St. Kilda too much. <laughs> but I no, I feel like it's do. relevant in this instance because I feel like, you know, we both had centre-half forwards, like great centre-half forwards of that era, but completely different kind of centre-half forwards. Like, you know, Revolt yep. was that hard-running kind of rangy, uh, you know, uh, 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 centre-half forward, whereas John O'Brien was the pack crasher, dominant forward, dead-eyed dick kind of you know yep. do you think you could have a better captain is there a better man to follow out into the field like Will and I talk about this all the time like you know uh, uh who is the kind of like leader of men and we always bring up John O'Brown. as like being the kind of guy who's mm-hmm. like if, if John O'Brown's gonna say I'm gonna go do this you're gonna follow him because he's just is that like alpha male
0: yeah it, we really were blessed going from Vossi to Brown there was a we had a period in between where we had five captains, which was a bit of a a weird anomaly in the mid two thousands. But, um, between the two of them, it's hard to imagine. Um, like you said, if, if Brownie gave you a, uh, three quarter time address, or even if he just said like, mate, what was that? Why why don't you go back with the flight? You would the next time I imagine, because it's coming from a bloke who would do it himself. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I I remember I was at the games uh, where he busted his face open. He did it against Frio in the mid twenty tens, and then he did it again against uh, Geelong. I think he, it all they were all the same incident pretty much. And then it one ended his career. It was against the Giants in front of about seven thousand fans at the Gabba. I think it was the lowest Gabba crowd for about twenty years. And it was the last game that was the
1: played. I heard him on uh, Junk Time with uh, Adam Rosenbark and Michael Chamberlain, Yeah, where he talked about like, uh, I think he's promoting his book, but all the metal he's got in his face, all the plates that are holding his mm. skull together and how depending on the temperature, <laughs> like the plates will expand or contract in his face. So like his skull wow. kind of like shifts about according to how warm it is. And it's just like, you never sort of really think about that you know like I understand that players get injuries but the fact is that dude sustained car crash level injuries and repeatedly did it I mean you know knock on wood when it comes time you know long-term effects of concussion that maybe he escapes the worst effects of it but I mean he was just such a intimidating presence even in the as his career was waning you just knew that Mm. he was the kind of guy that could bob up and kick like two or three goals or that reliable set shot from 50 metres out, like that's the big difference oh. between him and Rui is Rui would yeah. blow himself up running up and down the ground. And then by the time he had to have his shot, he was so buggered, he'd <laughs> normally shank it. Whereas you could always yeah. rely on John Brown to just drill one from 50 out. Yeah. Jeez, he was reliable. And he kicked a lot of really
0: important goals in those grand finals as well. Um, yeah. We're, we're so lucky not just to get him because he came as a father, son of a Fitzroy player. Um, and the rules have changed since then. He wouldn't have applied today, um, but he wanted to come to the lions. A kid from Warrnambool wanted to come to Brisbane. And then he stayed his mm. whole career. He could have left. There would have been eight different years that he would have, you know, attracted a really good price tag. Um, I think at one stage, Collingwood would, would just about got him. And, um, no, he stayed loyal the whole time. He's just about the perfect
1: person you want at your footy club. I think. So I'm interested to know, you came into a club that was like dripping with success. You know, you got stars yep. left, right and center. You got premierships. You got packed crowds. And then the party ends slowly at first. Yeah. But then the party really does end when Vossi takes over and you lose a bunch of players and, you know, you draft Fev. And all of a sudden things aren't <laughs> as rosy as they were. Was there ever a temptation for you to be like, eh, maybe this isn't as fun as I thought it was now that we're losing or did you double down on your love for the Lions?
0: I doubled down personally, which is um, which is rare. I stayed a member the whole time. I just figure if you're not going to be a fan when it's shit, you're not going to enjoy it when it's good. So being a fan when it's shit is so much more important. And then there's, there's also because I've experienced two years where we've been Unbelievably successful, like astonishingly successful, from where we were in 2016. Um, and ga- I don't look forward to games as much when you're playing that well. It's stressful. Yeah, winning's a relief as opposed to a joy, you know. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, we we got the we got the suns this week up in cans. We could we could bottle this one. Whereas you know, five years ago, it's just like, oh, well, we might win this one. So, yeah, it's an interesting perspective because we really have gone through the whole spectrum over 20 years. And um, I think people fail to um, realise a lot of the time is that the suns came in right at the worst possible moment for, the, for us given our form decline because mm. uh, 2011 was just about the worst year of footy I've ever seen and then it didn't really improve until 2019. That's, a lot of a lot of good draft kids got um, got
1: pinched while we were at our worst. It's interesting. Like I haven't really thought about that, but you're right. There is. Well, I, I should know this better than anyone as a Saint supporter, but there is a comfort <laughs> in mediocrity <laughs> because oh, absolutely because anything's a bonus because you're only expecting to lose, and then when you win, and 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 there's kind of also this. Um, it's like this condescending, patronising tone from media commentators and your mates and stuff. We're like, oh, you know, yeah. like you beat West Coast, well done! Like that was a great game. Ah. You feel pretty good about you guys, that. You, you guys put up a fight against <laughs> Geelong. That was cute. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of miss
0: that. Yeah. And then I also um, I miss when you when you're playing well and the whole AFL community sort of rallying around you, which you know, if you're Richmond these days. Now people actively hate you. Mm.
1: But then some, you know, some supporters embrace that as well and some clubs. You know who is the latest team to be in that kind of, you know, that that patronising, condescending bracket is Fremantle because everyone tipped yeah. Fremantle to suck last year <laughs> and they won more games than people thought. And, you know, they, you know Justin Longmuir seems to be doing a good job and everyone's like, oh, Fremantle. Well, yeah, good on you. A little pat on the head like yeah. a lollipop. Yeah. It's the
0: Suns for me. I've always yeah. had a soft spot for them. And they try to generate this rivalry with the Lions, as in, like, oh, you're two Queensland teams, you should hate each other. Yeah. Because the Swans and the Giants hate each other. But um, of all my Brisbane Lions supporting mates, I think we all want to see the Suns do well. I think Queensland footy doing well is, it
1: appeals a lot to me. Well, it's amazing. I mean, you brought it up before about 2016, but the state of AFL in Queensland only a short while yeah. ago seemed like a disaster. Like the the Lions weren't winning games, the Suns were a complete mess and you just really didn't see a way out of it. And then a man called Chris Fagan (laughs) enters the picture. So tell me about Chris Fagan. Like what was your feeling when they brought him in? Were you excited? It's hard to be excited. Even It's a good
0: point. I don't really know. Because unless you've recruited an Alistair Clarkson or a Paul Ruse, someone with a proven track record,
1: you don't know what you're going to get from anyone. But mm. um, but just superficially, uh, we, like, I mean, I'll tell you what my thoughts were. I was like, what yeah. the hell are they doing? <laughs> like this <laughs> old man, he's not going to know what yeah. the kids are up to. He's not going to know about TikTok and Facebook and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, Will and I used to, like, joke for the first year that he was your coach, that we couldn't remember his name, Dennis Pagan, Chris Fagan. We always get it mixed up. Oh, yeah. But then to see what he's become, and I love him as a media performer, and I think that his passion shines through. And it's a cliche, this whole concept of, like, the buy-in, like, you know, the players buy in. Mm -hmm. But you can see that the players have bought in. Like, there are a lot of young players at the Lions now. This this group that you've got coming through now – and it's almost like he was the perfect coach for them. Like maybe you could have got yeah. like a Bevo type coach, like a young, cool, hip coach, yeah, yeah. but maybe that wouldn't have worked, you know? And I, I feel like, you know, with this group that you've got with so many young draft picks and stuff like guys like Rayner and, and Andrews and stuff like that, to have that steadying influence who's come from like a Hawthorne where they just, mm. you know, they they breed success into every single player. It's, it's – look – the proof will be in the pudding, but so far I yeah. think it seems like a really, really good move. And I just I just love the the footage of Fags on the sidelines. I love it when he goes down to the boundary line to coach and he gets so oh, yeah. angry his headset falls off, you know. It's like you just always feel like he's seconds away from chipping over or bumping his head or like you know, <laughs> tying his yeah. shoelaces together accidentally or something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because like you said, he's a great media performer. And he's the calmest. He looks like the you know the, the friendliest just old man. And then you see this footage on the bench where he just snaps. Yeah. Um. But you like you said, you, you actively see the players buying into his message, and um, they rally around and him. They rally around their teammates. And yeah, back in the back when it happened, um, we we couldn't have been any worse. And I'm, I'm sure Justin Leppich has a great football brain and um, you know, he's, he's been the, um, the guy at Richmond for their premiership era. Mm. You know, he's, he's clearly talented at what he does, but just that, that part of history just mm. was really ugly for, the, for both him and the club. So we just needed anything. And then I think, like you said, bringing someone who came from a culture of success, even though he didn't play footy or he, he hadn't coached before, He just knew what uh, a good team looked like. And yeah, and we've got um, kids, we've got talented kids and they all respect him and they all re-signed. Once that happened, I knew we were onto a winner. After a year or two, all
1: our good kids re-signed and I just thought this this might be it. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, there's always romance around footy clubs about bringing back a favourite son, you know, and... Mm. The Lions double-dipped on that, you know. They brought back their favourite son with Michael Voss, and we know how that went. And then they seemed to do a more conservative approach with Justin Lepich, who had had some coaching experience. But neither of those yep. two things came up. And I don't subscribe to the favourite son idea. There's At the Saints, there's nah. always talk about, because, you know, Rob Harvey coaches at Collingwood, it's always like, oh, we'll get Rob Harvey back. And I'm always like, no, don't do that. get the best... <laughs> get the best coach for the time. Like yeah. just because that person is a Saints man doesn't mean they immediately will have the answers. And, you know, I think there's no greater example of that than what happened at the Bombers, you know, like there's Absolutely. been no greater fall from grace than, than what happened with James Hurd. And, you know, I think there is, that's where reality and, uh, and love for your club, like they can't, they come head to head because there is this mm. idea that because they are you know there there are a lions man or a saints man through and through they'll have the best interest of the club at heart but it's like no it's yeah. still a job and there's still got to be like oversight and you're still got to have like people you know running the ship like St Kilda although Alan Richardson wasn't a saints man like we stuck with him for far too long that's apparent now now that we have Brett Ratton you can sort of see that yeah. you know what we needed was Look, I, I, from what I understand, Alad Richardson is a great development coach and people like him and is a really steadying influence. And maybe he would have been good to get us out of like, you know, that sort of Scott Waters disaster. But then to extend his contract as long as they did, I think that was the mistake. He was almost like a, a caretaker, a transitional coach. And I think that what the Lions did after Lepich and getting Chris Fagan was like, at the time I was like, this is a disaster. But then clearly they identified what was missing. And they were able to sort of um, uh, uh, let go of the, the romance, the fantasy of it's going to be a lion's guy. Isn't it funny how that, and, and as a supporter, you think like,
0: yeah, lipper. (laughs) Yeah. As if like, he, he will care more. about (laughs) (laughs) the It's as you're touching on, it's just bizarre that we, we seem to think that the best person for the job is someone who's, been at the club if anything you want someone who's never been at the club particularly if you're not doing well um and yeah and with fags i just think it's no surprise that as soon as he's left hawthorne things have just started to started to wobble a bit there and Mm. you know think like their list clearly isn't as
1: good but um, don't worry. I mean, I don't know. Hawthor- I, I, Hawthorne I, I wobbles think... and then they win another flag in three years. But does it doesn't... <laughs> <Like>, uh, <laughs> they'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> like, let's not worry about Hawthorne ever. No, that's enough Hawthorne discussion for one part, I think. We'll we'll move on. Are there any clubs that um, you consider like your, your biggest rivals? I mean, obviously, the media has tried to drum up the Q Clash, but that hasn't really worked. Is there a club mm. that you personally just love to beat? With the Q Clash,
0: yeah, we've never been... Uh, uh, concurrently good at the same time and once that <laughs> happens it might be interesting honestly it's yeah. been 10 years and uh we've been good for two of them and the sun's been good for none of them so um i like to beat collingwood the most um i don't i don't quite know why i think there's a lot of factors i've got a lot of uh collingwood supporting friends who i you know, <laughs> you can't let it get in the way of a friendship, obviously, but, um, and Port Adelaide, I think it's
1: just, um, grand, grand finals, final teams. yeah Do you find the same? Um, yeah, yeah. I, w- I hated Adelaide for a while because of 97, but yeah, no, yeah. you're right. Geelong, you know, last week, uh, uh, I was, um, talking to Dave Thornton, who's a Geelong supporter. And I sort of said to him that it took me a while to get around to having that conversation because 2009 mm. still sticks in my throat, but, the difference here, well, maybe not Port Adelaide, is you beat Collingwood twice. Why are you still holding a grudge? Yeah. When you've seen them humiliated. <laughs> Get your foot off their neck. It's fine. You <laughs> Good won. Good point.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe. No. It's, it's an array of factors. I don't know why. Um, having moved down here as well and dealing with uh, Richmond supporters, yeah. I think...
1: Seeing them lose in general, I'd find a lot more fun. Hasn't that been a quick transformation too? You know, like it's only in the matter of four, three or four years, Richmond have gone from being like Richmondy to being Mm. this team that we all like fear. It's, I mean, I still, maybe it's because I've, you know, my team's never, I've never seen my team win a flag, but I find it hard to, Uh, hate teams that have the ultimate success because that's what I want. Mm. Like, you know, I don't ever, I've never looked at a grand final side and thought you don't deserve that, (laughs) you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you're not being gracious. I understand that people think, well, you know, Richmond supporters are lording lording it over us, but isn't that what you're meant to do? Isn't that the nature of the game? Like you're meant to barrack for your team and want them to win. Like I, I, I don't, I, I've never really had that negative experience with a Hawthorne supporter because I know they are maybe second to Collingwood supporters, the most loathed supporters going around. But, mm. you know, um, well, I, look, it's been three weeks since I've potted Michael Chamberlain, so I'll do it again. Uh, Michael's Go the worst, <laughs> he's the worst Hawthorne <laughs> supporter I've ever met. But even he, He's not that bad. Like he's been yeah. quite sort of, you know, after their 3 Pete, he got quite, you know, I think he, he's satisfied. He's, he's he's sat at the banquet yeah. for long enough that he feels full and doesn't need to beat up on the little teams.
0: Yeah. And you think I would have the same satisfaction, but like you said,
1: it, you only need to be bad for so long before you, you start really craving it again. Um, well, that I'll is remember, interesting too remember, because um, you've only you only had those grand finals as a kid, you know, like yeah. I I imagine it's going to be a completely different experience uh, to see a premiership as an adult, you know, like it, it might as well be, you know, black and white TV really because you weren't at yeah. the games, you hadn't sort of formed the history, but now you've got, you know, however many years of history with the club and you've been through the tough period like you talked about. So that yeah. fruit hopefully will taste so much sweeter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You've got to earn it. But it's funny as a kid, you you, like watching every year, the, it was like watching a movie, just, you know, the, your team would be there. And then the good guys would just win. And it, it, like, I don't know if I have like the emotional maturity to kind of appreciate how difficult winning a premiership is, let alone three. Mm. As I was so jarring in 2004, just like, Oh, what? (laughs) We're going to lose this. (laughs) I, I i cried many times just home and away games i remember a, a game just over at subiaco against west coast that we
1: we lost and i was i was in disbelief i was like but we're the lions we're, <laughs> it, it, it couldn't be possible i mean i think it does do something to your psyche, right like you know emma yeah. race uh was on talking about the hawks and you know she fundamentally believes that being a Hawthorne supporter has given her this completely positive outlook on life because anything is possible. She's seen it happen on the footy field many a time. Yeah. And conversely, I look at my life and I'm like, <laughs> it's nothing but disappointment and regret, you know, oh, always, is anything possible? Is anything nothing? No, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get close to the pinnacle and then you'll go tumbling off and break every bone in your body. But I do think yeah. it's, it, it, there is this kind of, um, oh, I don't know what it is. It's like a, Uh, you know, your appetite is is satisfied for only so long. Like, you know, Will, I've seen it happen with Will. You know, he got that flag in 2016, you know, first one they've had in 50 years, first grand final in his lifetime. And, Mm. you know, that satiated him for, you know, right through that disappointing that he didn't make the finals the next year and then some disappointing finals exit the last couple of years. But he's still much okay. He's still pretty okay because what had come before that was nothing. And so if he gets a flag yeah. <laughs> every 10 to 20 years, I reckon he'd take that. Now, it's all relative, right? If you're a Hawthorne supporter, that's not going to be good enough. Where as a Lion supporter does it sit with you? So it's been, what, um, 18 years since your last flag? Yeah. When will they yeah. start trying your patience? Um, yeah, I don't know. When are, you, when are you allowed to be impatient? I feel like if you... If you're an Essendon yeah, supporter, perfect- all the time, apparently. <laughs> like, yeah, they yeah. expect success. Oh, they deserve a flag every year. But <laughs> I think if you if you go
0: eighteen years without one, one for every club, yeah, I think right. that's about the yardstick. I yeah, if you've good. gone eighteen years, you deserve a flag. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Um, but yeah, I, I look at St Kilda supporters, and it's it's honestly one of the most tragic histories in world sports.
1: <laughs> honestly, is 18,
0: 1850 something.
1: Yeah, foundation Where did you guys club. Begin? Founda- We're a foundation well, club. I think we actually one hold of one of those records, I, like in world sports of being one of the most unsuccessful teams in history. No other team has been around as long as we have for such for such a little success. Like it doesn't but That's that's what's astonishing about it. It's a yeah. credit to the supporter base and to the club that you you know well, I think I think lasted. I think what the what St Kilda has lacked in premiership success, premiership success, we've made up for in terms of champion players. Like, that's what I think has yep. kept St Kilda supporters coming to the game. Is we've managed to just like you know, Tony Lockett, Nicky Winmar, and Rob Harvey, and mm. Nick Revolt. Like, we've never had a shortage of stars. And even though the 80s was a pretty barren period, we've you know, we've played finals quite a bit. We just had a yeah. shocking, shocking 80s like that the 80s is where we racked up <laughs> most of our wooden spoons. And I think that you know there is this kind of romance around being a St. Kilda supporter because we don't really have a choice but this idea that we're the real supporters, you know because mm-hmm. you know we are there through thick and thin and you know we have had nothing to cheer about so when it happens, but by the same token, I've got to be honest, there is a sneaking suspicion. That I will never see a flag in my lifetime, <laughs> like, like it's that's terrifying. It's statistically, look at what's happened in the previous hundred and fifty-seven <laughs> years, whatever it is. <laughs> like the odds are not in my favour, and you know, like I, I have my wife is not necessarily like a sports fan or an AFL fan, and she, you know, she humours me. But any time I'm kind of in the dumps, like twenty seventeen was, you know, that was where we won four games the year, and just it all seemed to be terrible and i had hmm. a serious moment of doubt of like god damn it like this has been the majority of my lifetime is so much energy goes into this pursuit in which doesn't bring me any joy and i honestly had to think about you know, like do i just stop now like do i just stop but <laughs> oh, I, i'm god. too i'm too this is this is horrific <laughs> it really is but it's it's, i'm i'm too committed and look yeah i, I there's a documentary about um the 2010 the drawn grand final where they sort of interview players from both sides and the coaches and stuff. And, you know, there's a moment where I think it's like Lenny Hayes or maybe Nick Revolt talks about the fact that, you know, they still get together and celebrate, you mm-hmm. know, as a team, like they would if they were a grand final winning side because, you know, they have no regrets about how they prepared. They did. They stuck to their game plan. They did everything that they could to win that game. It just didn't work out. And part of me is like, that's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> <Like> that is <laughs> pathetic. What are you talking about? You shouldn't be celebrating not winning a grand final. That's the problem How? with this fucking club is you don't, you don't rate success highly enough. But yeah. I think what, uh, you know, the deeper meaning of what he's saying is that we are not going to define our happiness on this kind of like, you know, yeah. two hours, one Saturday in September. And there is something kind of heartening for that because if the players can live with it, then surely a supporter, you can detach. Mm. Or you can be proud of what they achieved. I mean, narrowly Meadows was on the show talking about Frio, you know, going to the 2014 grand final and walking away going, Oh, that was nice. We made a grand final. And I accused her of being a loser, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know how many times I need to apologize, but you know, that is grow up, Nez. there is that, there is that kind of uh, view when you uh, barrack for an unsuccessful team. It's just like, well, we're just happy to be invited. And I think Richmond supporters were kind of like that prior to, they were. Yeah. Prior to the run they had, like after twenty seventeen, there was so much goodwill because they were the underdogs in that grand final, and you know they won, and it was so great. And then the Jack Revolt singing with the Killers. So I think there was all this goodwill and people wanting yeah. that story. You get one bite at it. If you get another flag That's in the it. next couple of years, we hate you. You're being greedy. Yeah, one per eighteen.
0: That's that's fair for everyone. I remember going for Richmond in that one, and then finding the Jack Rewalt thing actually a little bit endearing. Yeah, which now is it's just completely lost for me. Uh, they they're cooked. But going back to the premiership thing, um, as St Kilda could probably appreciate as well, the difference between being successful and unsuccessful, particularly as a Brisbane Lions supporter, is it's almost a case of life or death of the club mm. because in Queensland, you can only afford to be bad or, or really bad for so long. And I was genuinely concerned as in the mid 2010s that we were getting to that point where there hadn't been many clubs as bad as we were. We, mm. we won like six games in three years or something. And um, yeah, it, it, it was quite scary. So Um, up there, which I think is the most bandwagon market in the country, you really need to be playing, you know, delivering a good product. And it's nice that we've been able to do that. And the Suns as well, which I briefly touched on. It's nice to see they've got the, the, the framework to actually... You know, mm. amount of charge for the finals.
1: Well, maybe the Suns will be like you're talking about the Bears in you know '97 or '96-'97. It's just that you know they're at. They have just got the right coach. They've got the right young players mm. in. They seem to get some good, mature players in, like Greenwood and stuff. Last year, it would be. I want yeah. the Suns to succeed. I'm not one of these Victorian uh, team supporters who's like fuck all the expansion clubs. Like I want a strong. <laughs> yeah national competition i think it benefits all of us to have a like i want afl to be you know front page of every newspaper i want it to be prime time on every channel in every state in the country because i think it's the best game in the world so i don't understand why anyone would want the game to suffer in these different states
0: yeah and you want good more good queensland
1: kids yeah it's not like there aren't talented sportsmen up there they just haven't grown up with a Sharon in their hands so well wasn't there a um, draft about five or six years ago where like six of the top 10 draftees were all like queenslanders it was some insane statistic we you're right we did have a really good patch there um and the lions because we've got our academy
0: um mm. uh, eric hipwood and harris andrews both come out of that and then over over the last 10 years it's It's getting, the numbers are getting higher and higher and the quality is getting higher and higher. So um, it's only a matter of time before, you know, we just see a generation of kids um, who AFL is just second nature to them. And it's it's probably already begun. So it's exciting. Hopefully, you know, as long as we, you can be mediocre. You just can't be an absolute shit show, Mm. which we were for five years. Yeah, but you're, no. not,
1: you're not anymore. And th- that's the exciting no. thing about the Brisbane Lions right now is they're inarguably one of the best teams to watch. And Harris Andrews, like I cannot think of a better defender. Oh. Like he's incredible. He's like Dustin Fletcher reincarnated, just that rangy yeah. go-go gadget arms. So exciting. You've got Camarena coming through. You've got Lockie Neal, who you just can't believe that Fremantle oh. let go. So how did narrowly handle that? Did, did they no, come up? She was quite. She was quite. You know, the, she was. She was saying that it was kind of one of those things where um, he was a star, but because he was at, in Fremantle, no one really understood. And then she's gone. But then to go to Queensland and become a superstar like a Queensland market like that's even that's even more bizarre than the second team in WA like having a superstar.
0: Yeah, we won the Powerball. I don't know how that happened i still don't really understand and yeah i was the same i knew he was like in all australia i was like oh Lockie neil I, you know he's one best and fairest so that's what a great get i didn't think we were getting this Lockie neil mm. um so yeah incredibly blessed and then charlie cameron charlie was another cameron. one who grew up grew up in queensland for a bit i think he went to high school in brisbane but um of all the
1: places he just he landed in a lap. yeah um and but he was yeah. another one of those players. we got players. J-
0: Jared Lyons for free.
1: Yeah. He was another one of those players, Charlie <laughs> Cameron, that when he went up there, I was like, oh, well, there's another one of those flighty kind of half-forward flankers, you know, probably yeah. play like 70 games or whatever. But, like, he's just an excitement machine. And that's the the great thing about the Lions side now is you seem to have, if Eric Hipwood can sort of just come on just a little bit more, you seem to have yeah. all those, like, the key spine and you have all the, all the parts filled, it's just that, just they're just lacking a little bit of like finals experience and just a little bit of like hard edge generally. But I think yep. that will come. So what's your predictions for 2021? Like you can be as deluded as you want if you want to call it now that you're going to win the flag or what do you think realistically could happen? Um, There's no reason
0: we shouldn't finish top four again, honestly. If, if we had a very good run with injuries, we had the last two years to be honest. Um and I think we've overachieved the last two years. I think we've finished second both times, which doesn't really reflect where I think we stood in the grand scheme. We're possibly the third best team of last year. Um, but we've injected Joe Danaher into the side. That's not a con- that's not an essence of euphemism. <laughs> um, and he's a player. If we can. If well, we hopefully can he him- lets you turn the peptide. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a, that's a better euphemism. Uh, if we can get him even playing 17 games. Yeah. He's a player who, who kicked nearly 80 goals. Or was not nearly 70 goals? 2017. He's, mm. he's got runs on the board. He's not just some, you know, prospect. He's a very good forward when he's playing his best or just playing, um, which is what, well, you know, what all the media partners have said we've lacked, which and we have. We've, we've lacked someone to... Um, you know, take advantage of.
1: Does it one do, of the best? Does it account. concern you though, having Hipwood and Danaher in the same forward line? That you'll have yeah. two two forwards with two of the smallest heads in the AFL <laughs> running around. Yeah,
0: they're very similar, just blokes. A bit kooky. Left footers kick about one goal seven every yeah. third week. Well, I, um, I
1: think that it will help Hipwood. More than than the other way around because I think Hipwood maybe isn't like your 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 key target maybe he's like your second tall forward because yeah. look I I don't want to write the guy off but I just think that you know by having a Danaher who's going to get the best defender maybe that's the that's the release that Hipwood needs to get his game to where I think everyone recognizes the potential in Eric Hipwood it's just that he like you say he kicks one seven or he goes missing for large large patches of a game
0: yeah yeah. I think it'll be a good thing. And and Eric's still young. Like when you look at, um, if you line up Eric Hipwood's uh, goals per year of his age with Buddy Franklin's, he's he's a bit off. I think Buddy might have kicked, you know, 100 by this age. But um, Eric's progressing at a pace that is typical of someone his age. I think he's still under 23. Mm. Um, and going back to what you said, finals experience we we had eight players who were under 22 in that prelim um and it was the first time that year last year that we really looked young in that uh in that final Mm. but now we've played you know a lot of these kids have now had three or four finals under their belt um and you know they'll they'll hang on to that throughout the home and away season Uh, yeah there's no reason why we can't take strides from here and i think um uh, barring anything disastrous, I'm looking forward to this year. All, all things assuming COVID doesn't ruin it.
1: There's a question I, I like to finish on. Um, and you sort of touched on this before where you were saying you are concerned for the club for a, a little bit of time. So I imagine you've put some thought into this. But if for some disastrous reason, and I hope this never happens, the Lions would have fold <laughs> There was no Brisbane Lions. There was no Brisbane Lions women's team. There was no Brisbane Lions at all. Do you think that you would pick wow. another team and carry on? Or would you be too heartbroken? Jeez, that's a tough question. Um, I hadn't...
0: Yeah, that's never occurred to me. Um, I love footy too much to abandon it, I reckon. I think I'd just become a bit of a an AFL supporter. A, a Specky McGee type figure, <laughs> if you read them.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. With just your footy um, record and your binoculars.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd sort of, depending on who I was with, I'd watch, um, I'd watch games with them, and sort of, uh, I'd probably become quite a gambler and just su- support the team with the best odds. I don't know. That's that's a really heartbreaking thing, and and there are so many people who um, supported Fitzroy mm. who abandoned the, the sport altogether. I've met a, a bunch of them who are just, oh, you don't support the Lions now? I was like, no, nah, I don't watch footy now. Right, which is just devastating. I think um, I definitely have a much more passive interest in it. So I think whenever people say like, oh, North Melbourne, just move them to Tassie or just fold the Suns, I think it's – I don't like it. I think – I don't think it's ever the answer.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a difference, I guess, between, you know, a club folding completely and being absorbed. My understanding – because I – I was ignorant to how a lot of Fitzroy supporters felt about the Lions. I just assumed like South Melbourne, you know, becoming the Swans, that there would be a lot of support from um, ex-Fitzroy, but very different circumstances. You know, when the Swans moved to Sydney, that had majority member member support, whereas it was was not that way with the Lions. In fact, a lot of Lions supporters felt like they just had their, you know, their intellectual property and their best players just like scavenged. And it's yep. sad, you know, like I I did have some friends who were Fitzroy supporters when they folded and, you know, we, we talk about how, what it means to our lives and, you know, how it shapes our view of ourself and all this kind of stuff. And so you can't just take that away from someone and expect them to bounce back. Like I mm. think, you know, I, I often, I, I swing with this question because I'm like, I'd love the sport too much to not, um, you know, keep following it, but I just don't know after all the history I've built up after all the stories, you know, going with my family, I don't, I couldn't just fall in love with another team that way because it doesn't happen like that. You know, this is years and years yeah. and years of investment. I don't know what I do with all my merchandise. <laughs> Gumtree. It's
0: oh, Gumtree would have a field day. My whole spare room at the moment is just out of control.
1: So yeah, that's that's a, a
0: really tough question. What's the, what's the most common answer?
1: Uh it alternates. Most people say that they would, would carry on, um, would pick a second team. Most people have a second team, but I think that yeah. everyone uh, has admitted there'd be a period of mourning. So it's just a question of how long it would mm-hmm. take you to get over. Realistically, I think I'd probably become a Sun supporter if it happened to Well, they need one, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> so that would make four. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you can find um, one to put on my show, let me know. <laughs> just send them my way. <laughs>
0: I can just put on a funny voice if you want. <laughs> okay, great.
1: Uh, Will, thank you so much for doing the show and uh, best of luck to the Lions for 2021.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, Charlie. And best of luck to the Saints. Uh, I think uh, hopefully you enjoyed 2021 as well.
1: Well, hopefully it won't be a repeat of uh, 2004. <laughs> the <laughs> election yeah. final. We are Two Guys, One card.